Kara and welcome to episode 29 of 76 Small Rooms, a podcast about architecture from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today we're talking about the recent announcement in the US to make federal buildings beautiful again. Yay! <laughs> um, this, this is a, a, a draft bill that's been announced by the NCAS, the National Civic Arts Society, who are a group with some sway in Trump's administration. And essentially what they're wanting to do is to promote a neoclassical style for federal buildings. That means sort of courthouses and really anything that represents the government and state. What do you think about this, guys? Matt's sitting there waiting to be the contrarian. <laughs> and so... Let's just screen him out for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say that obviously this announcement has met with... Um, what on earth was that? Put your phone down, Arch, and focus yeah. on that. <laughs> Just thought we might, need, we might need something to sort of calm us all down if it all gets a little... <laughs> <laughs> Put it down. Okay. I would say that this announcement has um, met with some... Uh, a, heat one, of, a heat of reaction from the AIA, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. So on one hand, it's attracted this huge amount of conversation, and then on the other hand, like all things, it disappears into this huge din of um, every day there's another atrocious announcement from that administration, so it's hard to find how they cut through. Yeah. So to kind of um, narrow in on the architectural side, there's a heap to unpack on this particular thing, right? So I heard a little bit about it too on 99% Invisible, episode 390, so I recommend you have a listen to that too because that pinged us to this great piece um, which we circulated as our homework earlier by Kate Wagner who does the McMansion Hell um, uh, account and that was my first really kind of detailed dive into some of the stuff that's going on in here. There's so much, there's this architecture and style uh, we talked just before we started about these accusations that modern architecture is a form of degenerate art. You know, anyone who doesn't understand the clapback that that is to the late 30s and early 40s really doesn't get the enormity of that kind of suggestion. We've all studied Albert Speer um, and all of those kind of tones. And then you've got the weird meddling by these tiny hands and trying to shape things into, in, into um, his unusual tastes, which are hardly classical anyway, right? Like, I feel like we've dived in too deep for yeah. some of our listeners who might not have the full context. But, but I guess the, in essence, this is the Trump administration proposing an executive order, which is a strike against modern architecture and the proposal if I'm right is to describe or is to propose that all federal buildings are designed in a classical style yeah yes yeah and um, it's basically contrary to the previous guidelines which say that they need to reflect the time in which they're built. Which have existed since the 60s. Mm. 1962 guiding principles for federal architecture. Yeah. So this story was broken by Architectural Record, which got a draft copy of the memo. And apparently the American Institute of Architects have been working behind the scenes to kind of calm down the crazies in the Trump administration, um, which obviously failed. And now they've written a memo kind of condemning this proposal. I don't think anyone in the Trump administration really gives a shit. Um, mm. But I wondered if we should talk first about why classical architecture, not to yeah. everybody, but to the people proposing this um, executive order, speaks to them of a time of clarity and order and um, that it somehow speaks of civic values in a way that they don't associate with modernism. Why is it that that style of architecture has such resonance, do you think? 
I mean, I think it was the architecture of the early America. You know, yeah. I mean, Thomas it was Thomas Jefferson, the fourth president, was involved in in the design of the Capitol building, so the Capitol, and and so you know this this uh, neoclassical style has um, found uh, you know great favour as as the style of this new contemporary society. I mean, it was incredibly popular and you can go into just about any town in America and see examples and of... see a portico on their courthouse. Totally, they and, love and it. And other countries. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so and other countries too. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is... The classical architecture is the basis for so much work that's been done, you know, rascals, etc. So it's always been a strand. Now... But America's a toddler, comparatively. What's yes. unique there is that it's bringing it in in the early 19th century. Late, yes. late 18th century, early 19th century. It's pretty late to the 2,000-year-old party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but it's a continuation, but a, isn't a it? a very deliberate yeah. attempt yeah. to co-opt that style to project <clears throat> power, authority. Mm. Yeah. So this is, a, this, is a, this is a rerun of a rerun. Yes, mm. but... Mm. Well, is it, or is it, is it a continuation? You're sure there's nothing, mm. no classical architecture um, in America before the Europeans discovered it. But, as you say, that has been a thread through their architecture since. Mm-hmm. So, it's... And there will have been... It, this isn't a rerun. This is this is a sort of um, admittedly bizarre kind of um, approach to mandate it mm. in certain areas, um, which, you yeah, know, lots of clients do that. Um, so um, sure you got this all off your chest before we started. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. It's not it's not as if we're all of a sudden everyone's saying, right, we're going to do this again, um, because there will have been classical work done through America yep. continuously. Yep. So it is a continuation. Yeah, the fact that it's being mandated is obviously you kind of go, oh, it's weird. As I say, I'll be devil's advocate and say, so well, why is it a bad idea? Well, I mean, I think there's the issue of. of why classical architecture but also the issue of why have a house style for federal architecture what does that say because it's a a very singular interpretation of what what the state means to people does it reflect everybody's views? I mean, mm. I'd be really interested to know how you know minority groups and marginalized groups feel about classical architecture and what it says to them because in this context it's an architecture of colonialism right absolutely yeah. mm. and you know I, I think we have to start asking questions like well how would the how would the african-american history museum for example how would that the collection there mm. um what would you experience of that be like if it was in a neoclassical building as compared to say david Arge's? Yeah, yeah, very it's a really, good, it's a really good little thought experiment. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that says a very, very different thing. His building is optimistic and a real challenge to the status quo. I don't think it would, the collection itself would resonate as, as well if it was in a, a neoclassical building. No, you're totally right. But also, I, I also wondered what would a brand new federal building designed in the classical style look, look like? And I couldn't help feeling it would look completely hideous. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, on a functional <laughs> level, you've got to ask, 
how how can this kind of building um, perform to a modern brief? I mean, they're by nature object buildings. There's not really a lot of um, uh, integration with, say, context around them or, you know, opportunities to create spaces. Natural um, light. <laughs> exactly. That's a bleed out to outside mm. or, or provide the kind of gathering spaces that we might expect in, in modern society now. So how does it you know, perform on, on that kind of functional level too? Mm. But if you're talking about buildings in Washington, then to relate to context, you should be building in a classical style. Well, yeah, I mean, you can design to the existing context or a desired future context. We've talked about this before, <laughs> actually, when we talked to Ma Yansong. He mm. said something very similar. He was like, well, I'll just make a new, I'll just make a new context. Mm. 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 Yeah. And to my mind, if you're talking about DC, the most exciting buildings there are the Museum of African American History mm. and mm. Pay's East Wing of the National Gallery of Art, which I think are very, very respectful of their context in terms of the way they are. They're playing with geometry and proportionally and all those kinds of things, but they're also decidedly modern. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to ask you actually about the, this um, brief that was leaked or that Architectural Record got a hold of that specifically mentioned three buildings as having little aesthetic appeal, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, one was Morphosis's US Federal Building in San Francisco, um, and we can put some pics up on our social media accounts of this, but I thought, thought this is a really interesting example because I really like that building, but you can see how people would find it ugly because it has a kind of uh, hostility towards it in the way that it faces the street and fences itself off, but also the way it looks like a building that is surveilling the area around it in a slightly menacing way to me. Um, and so in a funny way, I was reading this and I was thinking, you get into this really <coughs> difficult question of what taste is in architecture. Mm. And the hate of that building driving a whole executive order and shaping kind of federal buildings in the near future. Do you all hate that building as well? I don't hate it, but... I'm just Look, any, 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 any <laughs> reference <laughs> to kitchen utensils is... That's really it. It's this oh, one, yeah. so we'll yeah. post a picture of this one. Um, you know, I don't know this building well, and my only experience of it is this photo, which renders it completely scaleless. I can't tell if it's like an Alessi vegetable grater sitting on a sitting on a kitchen table or a building that's best part of 150 metres tall, um, it seems really quite um, antagonistic and foreboding from one photo. There we go, I can be an architecture critic now. Paper shredder was the obvious. Paper shredder, yeah, a little bit. Matthew did a really, listeners, a really tedious um, comparison of buildings to household appliances on our DM thread um, earlier in the week, and he's still laughing about his own jokes. <laughs> but you don't like that one, do you, Matt? Oh no! Not again. My own, my only experience is is that photo. So um, it's unfair for me to judge. But I mean, you, you go, going back a bit, um, what would a what would a classical building built in modern times look like? It would probably look like a classical building. Um, so it's actually fairly predictable. Now, um, some of the great cities around the world are built of um, of classical architecture. You know, there are there are great spaces, there are great public spaces that um, informed by classical architecture. So there's a different argument to say whether or not we should be building in the classical style as to whether we should be mandating a style. Mm. You know, and I can appreciate the difference between that. I don't mandating I don't necessarily agree with that. If you were going to mandate a style, why would classical architecture be any worse than any other one? 
It suddenly made me think of Prince Charles and the fact that he would probably yes. side with the Trump administration yes. on this. He's been banging on about the horrors of modern architecture yeah. forever. One of the great revelations here is the little dose of classical education Matt got has clearly done irreparable damage. <laughs> and I had no idea it had stuck so long. Hey, so, spoiler, uh, we have a neoclassical 20th century parliament here in New Zealand. We do. So I'm just having a peek here. It, it was finished, at bet built between 1914 and 1922. Mm. And the government architect persuaded Keith Holyoke, who wanted to finish the rest of the building in that style, to take a punt with a modern building, resulting in the beehive we've got, designed by a Scottish architect, just to... Sue Basil Spence. Sue Bas, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, that's quite interesting. Which mm. is better? Parliament House is kind of a triumph. Beehive? But the beehive, yeah. I, I, vote, I vote beehive any day of the week. I like the beehive. Anyone I know that's worked in it says it's a horrendous building to <laughs> occupy. <laughs> so there may be questions about its functionality. But as an object, I really like it. Oh, I mean, don't worry about the users. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as an object, right? And I guess that's, um, that's equally as applicable to mandating any kind of style, but I think almost more applicable to classical, because it is that object, right? Every, yeah. It's a kid's drawing of a government building, totally. especially an American kid's drawing, I imagine. Yeah. You know, flag, yeah. dome, portico. Yeah. Big steps going up. Big steps. Yeah. The place you go when you get in trouble or when you want to talk to the president. Or, yeah. You know, there's an iconography that all buildings do. Oh, gosh, I'm actually swinging around to Matt's point of view. I can't believe what's happening. Um, <laughs> there's something... So let's just walk out... Let's just keep walking the plank on, on a mandated style. Um, it affords you a consistency, which is important when you're interested in being territorial. When, you're interested, when you have a big geographical spread and you want to project power and consistency across that territory, style is one great way to do that. That you come into a town and you go, that building's the courthouse, mm. or that building is whatever. Which would arguably not be achieved if it was these buildings are built in and of their time. You get into tougher territory that we have some experience of where the quality you're supposed to design the building for is something called being civic, right? Having like a presence and a civic presence. That's a lot more jelly-like. Well, it than... requires you to question what that is, and yep. that by nature is to do with what the time that you're designing in. Yep. So it will change and it will evolve. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I guess the whole, uh, this whole idea of having a hot house style is that, as you say, it puts a uniform stamp and to a certain extent, even if that building that's designed is not so hot, it's a kind of tolerable mediocrity, you know. Yeah. At, at its worst, it's <laughs> it's kind of... And you know what it is. by the rules, we know what it is. You know what you know? it is, yeah. 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 Um, would we object less if it was a more pleasurable style? If they all had to be done in the style of Eero Saarinen or Lautner or something that we get all juiced up about, <laughs> yeah, would we yeah, find true. this as bad? Because I'm yeah. like, actually, if everyone had to build them all in the style of <clears throat> Adolf Loos or, or Eero Saarinen courthouses would be amazing. They'd <laughs> be worth shoplifting for. It's <laughs> a, a really good question because I found myself agreeing with that and I'm like, oh, I'm just as bad as the Trump administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think I've got better taste. <laughs> So question yeah. of taste. Really. Yeah. 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 It's but I think something you alluded to before Tash is partly the key. It's kind of and the nineteen sixties rules are talking about a building being of its time. And even if a building doesn't nail that, I think it's really interesting for architecture to have to wrestle with that question. Yeah. So that a hundred years down the track you don't have a society looking back going, Oh well, isn't it amazing we have all this um well, all these buildings that look 
even worse as time goes by because they're trying to meet modern needs but also have Georgian yeah. windows. Um, so that at least you have a society that's continuing to ask those questions of itself that is reflecting the real time. Yeah, and, and yeah. to me, actually, I'd, I'd like to kind of go to that the wording of that 60s um, administration you approach. You have done homework in I detail. Have, I am gold star today. Um, because it actually calls for federal buildings to be designed with the finest contemporary American architectural thought. And I think that that is such an interesting statement because it's really an acknowledgement that society should be evolving, that it's not a static thing. Mm -hmm. And and I, I guess for me that absolutely strikes home that architecture does have this role to kind of play in, in sort of reflecting on, um, back to a society where it's at at that point in time. Mm. And, and, you know, if it's static, anything that's static is... Yeah. It becomes like a dark mm. ages, and I think it's the it's the way that this feels to me like a regression. Yeah. So there's all historical kind of precedents for going back like this. Mussolini, Hitler, mm. all of the obvious ones. Well, those are the control freaks too, right? Which totally. tried to express their values in architecture that regressed. And thousand year, thousand year Reichs, <laughs> and, yeah, and all of these things. Um, so it feels so regressive that yeah. if architecture was to have this flourishing through 20th century and then freeze on all kind of federal buildings for one, two, or the, or the, or the threatened permanent Trump administration that, that keeps getting talked about, it feels like a regression. Mm. So, and, and I think what you're actually, or what we're actually saying, I don't disagree with you, is that the, the federal government of all things, or of all parties, all bodies, should be interested in developing thought. So if, um, if I don't know, it's a good American corporate, if um, some bank, must be US bank, I can't remember the US bank name, but if, if they said, look, we're only going to occupy classical buildings, if we have a building, new, new building, we're going to classify it, uh, we're going to... Um, use classical architecture to do it, we probably wouldn't care. Um, the, but what the federal government's actually saying is we don't want to support new thought. Yeah, that's the message I get. And it's and interesting when you read that out, because you could imagine a Trump supporter accusing whoever wrote that document of elitism, or feeling threatened by it and going, mm. no, 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 who are these people who are going to control what I have to look at in my buildings? It's all mm. about the mm. again in the sentence. Again, and also I think... Make, it, make it this again. Yes. It's not. It's not push us forward to... Huh. It's not aspirational. Either Trump's campaign yeah. statement or this one about federal buildings. It's about going back. Yeah. And it also de-risks the creation of buildings so that um, nobody's going to push something that doesn't fit their taste. Yeah. On people because they're no longer allowed to, right? Mm. You know, yeah. No one's going to push their big ideas on you through the building because the big ideas are scrubbed out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I personally would rather suffer some ugly buildings, you know, for the opportunity mm. to actually see some, some things that are new and different because for every cheese grater and I gain you know I don't know that building so I can't really comment on it but for every building that you might have a strong reaction to a strong negative reaction to there will also be plenty yep. of others that you walk into and go wow 
yeah. this actually speaks to me. I can see the way that this is actually representing, you know, something new, a new direction, something positive, a challenge to the status quo that I identify with. And that's great. Mm. And that's conversation, right? That's, that's conversation. That's dialogue. Opening up possibilities. Yeah. Mm. And, th- and those things will continue if that's passed. Those things will continue to happen. They just won't happen in <coughs> federal buildings, right? This is one client that's right. out of yes. many. And, and it's a significant client. Yeah. Mm. Don't get me wrong. So um, it, wouldn't, it won't stop um, modern architecture happening. I nearly said good architecture there. It won't stop... Um, modern architecture happening and ideas being um, pursued um, but it will change where it happens well and I would argue too that it's not it, it says that we are a government that is not inclusive as well because we are putting forward one idea about well one interesting thing in the article in the New Republic, Kate Wagner's article is, is that one of the angles in selling this is that it's representative of the 99% <laughs> that modern architecture is this elite thing. It's classically on brand. Mm. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's here. If you, walk, if you walked up to a courthouse and, and you see it looking a particular way, what does that kind of... What kind of message does that send to you about mm. your expectations of how you might be treated if you're kind of... Am I the defendant or not? Well, but, 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 but exactly. I don't know. Say you're a minority in a minority group, you're approaching that courthouse. What, what does that say to you about all of the expectations of the system? What civic buildings can you think of that succeed in the modern idiom? Because I've been sitting here trying to think about that and it's hard off the cuff. I know to think of ones that are that totally nail it, but it made me think about the fact that it's quite rare nowadays for civic societies, whether they be cities or countries, whatever, um, to invest heavily in architecture. Like I'm thinking of um, the Christchurch Library, for example, which is a beautiful investment mm. in a really successful public building that mm. seems to be welcoming and um, beloved by its community almost from the moment its doors open. But those kind of buildings are sort of few and far between, certainly in New Zealand. Mm. And I could see then how the perception of architecture being elitist builds because... So much architecture happens now in corporate headquarters, mm. or hotels, or places that aren't truly public. Public, yes. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of that actually of, of that wonderful building in the northern hemisphere. That. I can't remember the city or the name of the building. Sorry, just remember Pass the end on. of the day no. moment. The one that comes down to the harbour and um, and you can. It's Opera House in Oslo. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. Ah, right. yeah, that's really interesting yeah. because it's because it is it openly engages with the public. It's almost an invitation to kind of come inside. And in a way, deliberately because they were trying to unpick the elitism of opera yeah, and make it seem exactly. accessible. But I think most people use the outside of the building rather than going in to see yeah. opera, but it works really successfully in both those ways. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, and shows how a building doesn't need to be limited by its function. Exactly. In that sense as well. It became a public asset even though opera is kind of a pastime of the 1% for the most part. It, totally. Mm. And to me that, that that is a really exciting possibility mm. which shows the potential of modern architecture to operate in a very silic way. Matthew was pondering, come on, what's your choice? Oh, um, modern buildings. Um, Hate them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, I'm trying to, because it's difficult 
you know, Auckland's a good example where most of the civic space is kind of taken, really. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of them are informed by existing buildings. So um, Q2 Square um, has the old post office, that sort of thing. The, and city squares are formed around those places because they already exist or have existed. So I'm thinking of modern cities, and Christchurch is perhaps a good example, which is going through a reconstruction, but I don't know Christchurch very well. I'm trying to think of, of, of modern cities where those civic spaces exist. And... The, re- the renovation of the Auckland Art Gallery created more of a civic space on an old building. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, although sort of... Um, and that did come to mind certainly in Auckland context. That's a, I think that's a really good What about the um, War Memorial Museum? Auckland yeah. War Memorial Museum. Classical. Yeah. Classical. 20th Popular. century. Yeah. Beloved. Public space and spades. Totally. It's the centre of our backyard. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I love it. Hands up. You know? Yeah. It's great. So when I, in the town I lived in in Japan, called Otsu, the, um, the main civic kind of space, the main municipal sort of building, the prefectural building, set up these big stairs where the footpath widened out and then next to it was the fire station. And they had those towers where you hang the hoses from when you're drying. So there was always this kind of theatre of people training and doing all of that sort of stuff out the front. On the other side was a regular just retail kind of frontage on the other side of the road and it was a main walking and vehicle route for people to go back and forth between where they lived and, and the school and, and where they worked. That was a killer public space framed by a public building. Mm. All it did was step back about 10 metres to mm. break the consistent frontage. Um, I don't know how relevant that is to this conversation. It was a reminiscence. Mm. Forgive me. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to tell you. I was thinking of the Scottish Parliament too in Edinburgh, which is quite Holy Road. No, um, the modern building by yeah. Morales. Morales. Um, but that's really interesting because, I mean, it's been called a 90s mashup of every trend that was going on at the time, I think, by Alexander yes. Lang. But I liked it as a building very much. And also it was interesting that many, many years after its opening, there were still a lot of people turning up to tour it and walking around, and it felt properly civic in that sense as yeah. well. And a city which has kind of a mashup of styles from many previous eras as well. Um, I think I, even here, though, in Auckland, Ella Mel- Melville Hall actually yep. does a really good job yeah, good of, point. you know, opening itself up to the public, and it always, and partly to do with the space outside it as well. Mm. Um, Would I it work if it was a classical building? Well, I think I think one of the things that's interesting about that building and, say, the the museum, both buildings which I really really like, is that the the Ella Melville Hall sits in a very urban context, it's in the heart of a city, whereas the uh, museum sits, you know, in a Surrounded by space. Yeah, Yeah. it is an object building. You can see it from various vantage points within the city. I mean, it does a wonderful job of being an icon and kind of marking that point. Yeah. But it's a very different context. And it doesn't, the museum doesn't engage with that space. You know, you go through a piddly little revolving door. No. Whereas Ella Melville Hall's all well, transparent yeah. and connected and, and, and made, it's in this sort of union with Freiburg Square that, that spills all the way inside Ella mm. Melville Hall, which is really kind of marvellous. Mm. You don't get that with a, with a portico and Georgian windows. No. One might argue that modernism took the front door of the Auckland Museum, stuck it in the back and sort of denied us all of walking through that portico too. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. So, no, Do you mean modernism or just that architect? Right? Well, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're talking, the movement, <laughs> we're talking Noel, Noel Lane's refurbishment at the back of the building. Yep. Reorientation right. of the building. Really, Reorientation yeah. is a good term. Yep. Yeah. 
But I feel like we're getting off track with that a little bit because that's a very interesting building to discuss. And, yeah, and I, look, I, and I think too, this the, the bill that's been, um, that's, that we're talking about today is is not about creating civic space or civic places. You know, there's, um, I don't think, because it's actually just every building is going to be neoclassical. You talk about building Japan, which what made that civic space was the consistency around it, actually. It's the disruption of that consistency. And that classical buildings often do that um, very, very well. For every good classical building, you kind of need 100 plain ones to, to make that one special. Whereas this is about painting a veneer on, on the front of buildings. I yeah, are they going to be made of solid stone? You know, are they going to be these shams of sort of like polystyrene, plastered yeah. polystyrene? You know, is it actually going to happen? Can it happen? Are there policies in New Zealand regarding this kind of stuff? Like, does the government have a a style book? Yeah, not that no. I'm aware no. of. Not that so each individual ministry would have its own brief that they would develop. Mm. Same with councils. Mm. Yeah, interesting. In summary, <laughs> you go first, Matt. In summary, final thoughts four or on this time. Final, final thoughts. I, I think um, hate the bill, hate the idea of government wielding its power to limit thought or reduce thought, but don't necessarily hate it because it's classical architecture. That'd be my. I think the, you know the bill is a dumb idea, but I don't think it's a dumb idea necessarily because of the architecture it's proposing. Mm. Because a lot, and uh, take your points earlier, the, the connotations we have around the architecture, the style of architecture, not insignificant. But in terms of beauty, if you strip it right back to sort of a formalist argument, you take away the narrative and away the story, whether you can or not, it's not an argument, then it's difficult to argue against classicism. Hmm. Tash? <laughs> 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 No, I mean, look, I would agree with you. Any kind of uh, any kind of attempt to sort of dictate a house style for a government, I, I think, is just wrong. I, I can't get on board with that. I um, love classical buildings. I just don't feel like we need to go there again. We've done, you know, we've done that. Let's go forward. We've been great before. Why do it again? <laughs> No, I would rather see uh, architecture embrace possibility rather than going back to a playbook. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a totally shit idea, but it just reflects a totally shit administration that's determined to turn back the clock on everything. And actually, and I was kind of, I was thinking of tweeting about it, and then I thought, of all the outrages this bloody administration has um, done, I'd, and I've just been like, oh, this is too tiring, I can't sort of... I didn't want to talk on social media a whole lot about it because it's like this is sort of the least relevant when you know yeah. reproductive rights are being taken away and people are falling into poverty more and more and all that kind of stuff. Um, the the cruelty with which this administration has gone about so many things. This was a bit of a trigger for me because I like architecture, but it's just par for the course in terms yes. of their desire to take everything back to. I don't know what golden era they're thinking of taking things back to, but. You know, that, I don't even want to say. But it's, but it's one. It's the antebellum era kind it's of. It's one colour and it's one message. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's terrible. I think it's regressive. I can't shake the historical implications of going of declaring a style, and particularly this style, mm. in the context of what's fundamentally becoming an authoritarian 
um, yeah. regime. Mm. And like you, you know, this week you've got violence against Muslims while Trump is in India. You know, there are much bigger issues. And this is like the le- this is the most innocuous thing announced in that administration recently. Mm. And it'll be drowned out by some other terror the other day. But yeah, I I'm very much in the Kate Wagner camp here that I can't I can't get over the historical implications of choosing that particular style. Yeah, and just thematically it fits that whole shitty narrative. Mm. Um, and also I just think what wimps to be so afraid of new ideas that you have to shut them down before they even eventuate, which is a lot of what this seems to be. So we hope you've enjoyed our cheery new summer format. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long break. Thanks for your patience. Uh, It's good to be back uh, for episode 29. And then our next episode after this, we hit our 30s. That's right. We're going to be rigorously melting. That's That's right. (laughs) Resolution for 2020. So um, thanks for listening. Mate wa. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.